Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show, where we are going to be drinking a lot of purple Kool-Aid here today. Listen, everything I spoke about this offseason, about this team not being it, and it having a lot of questions about this team, well, let's just say that those have been answered. This Vikings team is for real, and it's special. We're going to talk all about the insane 17-point come-from-behind victory against the Buffalo Bills and arguably the game of the year. And we're going to talk about the future of this team and Super Bowl is not out of the question. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad. And the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Dave, are you thirsty tonight? Yes, quite. You should be, because we got some purple Kool-Aid coming. All right, this is going to be a really fun show, guys. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Um, I am your host, Tyler, with me, as I mentioned, producer Dave. Dave. What a freaking game that we saw on uh, Sunday. And let me tell you, I'm glad I don't have heart issues because I might have died on Sunday with all the stress and anxiety that came from watching the Vikings try to claw their way back from 17 down and end up winning in the oddest fashion we may ever see a team win a football game. And you're probably never going to see anything close to that throughout the rest of your life in the National Football League. Well, okay, it's odd. The the fumble, that's the oddity here, and the rest of it is fine. Like hey, it, that's what happens when you have an ulnar injury. It affects your grip. The yeah. two deals, and if, if he dropped it, they planned for it. Kevin O'Connell said they practiced for it. When a plan comes together, it comes together, baby. And you know, Eric Kendricks dove in, got that ball. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it was a tremendous play. But if the Vikings just punch it in with that Kirk Cousins uh, uh, sneak, which was weird, it, it didn't feel like he got any push off on that sneak like he usually does. Because you'll notice Kirk takes uh, almost like a stutter step back and then launches off of his right foot. He didn't really get a good push, and I think that's why he wasn't able to get in. He was just inches away. If he gets in, it, it feels like a very normal game. But the Vikings got incredibly lucky because Josh Allen. Who and I believe this is correct, Dave. That was his first snap under center, all game, and that UCL injury know, with the nerve, like you said. That like Buffalo runs most of their stuff out of shotgun, anyways. Mm-hmm. With Josh Allen, you want to be able to have his eyes downfield at all times. I don't think he's the most comfortable under center, anyways, as far as like a general construct, and it works. They don't need to do anything else. But the one time you had to go under center, and that's where, like you said, the nerve damage and just lack of repetition throughout a game, that can be a big deal, especially because we don't we haven't really talked about it much. It was a weather game. There was snow slash rain, um, especially heavy at the end of the first quarter into third, and then it kind of tailed off. But once the weather hits, it's not like it just goes away. There's residue all over the place. So... The Vikings got incredibly lucky and capitalized on it. And I think that is the most important thing. It's not about your luck. It's about how you take advantage of it. And the Vikings took advantage of a Patrick Peterson interception, touchdown. 
The Eric Kendricks fumble recovery, touchdown. The Patrick Peterson interception ended the game. Mm-hmm. Like they took advantage of their opportunities, and the Bills didn't. The Bills forced two turnovers, they got three points. The Vikings forced four. They got 14 and a game clincher. I'm going to take that as a really, really big win. And, you know, there's a lot of things about this team right now that don't feel sustainable. And we've talked about it. The injury luck. We're finally getting ours. But it hasn't mattered because guys are stepping up and making plays. Duke Shelley has been elevated twice so far this season from the practice squad. Signed him in the active roster early Saturday. And what does he do, Dave? Makes a huge pass breakup the play before Patrick Peterson gets an interception on Dawson Knox. Mm -hmm. Shelly doesn't make that play. Game over. Doesn't matter. Right. And we're all, who is that? Yes. Duke Shelly. Ingrained that in your brain. That To me, that game, yeah, it was wild. I don't know how much was luck versus making your own. It was had to be the best regular season game I had ever seen. To me, it was Ollie Frazier. They were landing, you know, it started out fast, pretty, you know, floating around, bap, 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 jab, 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 and then it went silent for a while. And then you got to that fourth quarter, and it was bam, solid, bam, solid, answer, bam, solid, right? And it was like, oh, my God, we're going to go extra rounds. Bam, bam. And it was just hits like that. The constant back and forth and making it – and the whole idea of we're not going to die, right? We're not going to lay over and submit. No, we're going to do everything we can, everything we've been coached to get this game. And when it counts the most, you're fourth down and 18, and you loft it up to Justin Jefferson, and he makes the most remarkable, greatest catch in football history, now, obviously, that's debatable, but it's got to be up there. When you go up there and high point it, one point, catch it with one hand, yeah, like OBJ, oh, that's classic, especially in the playoffs. When you pin it to your helmet, catch it in the, you know, in the playoffs, that's classic, yes. But when you go up there and high point it, when the defender has both hands on it, and you rip it down, keep control all the way to the ground, and the ball never touches the ground, that's amazing. Folks, you probably will never, ever see a catch like that again. That was just absolutely remarkable. Things like that are going the Vikings' way this season. It's whether the gods are looking down, Odin's looking down, you know, I hope People in the stands start chanting Odin like they did in the 70s on our Super Bowl teams then. It has been amazing so far to watch. And throw out the, uh, it's just a soft 7-1. and one. It's illegitimate. They've played nobody. They've played lousy teams. We played Sunday the favored team to win the Super Bowl. It took us five quarters or almost full five quarters, and we exchanged blow for blow, and we came out on top. You can't tell us this Vikings team is just lucky. They have been doing what it takes to win. And believe it or not, 
That is the most important thing in football. Do what it takes to win. Oh, 100%. You do what it takes to win. And let's talk about that Jefferson catch because somebody mentioned in the comments here a few minutes ago, and we I kind of wanted to get, get the ball rolling a little bit before we really started having that conversation. And this catch. I said it. Yeah, I said it earlier this morning. I thought this was far and away, Dave, the best catch in the history of the NFL since at least Super Bowl 42 when David Tyree made the helmet catch. When you adjust for situation and timing and all those things, they came around the same exact time, about two minutes left in the game. Both teams were down and needed to drive to score and take the lead, and both teams well, the Vikings got the fumble, so I'm gonna. It's a little hyperbolic in that sense. It's about the same thing. The only difference is the Vikings are trying to prove that they're elite. And the Giants were trying to win a Super Bowl, so you could argue the Tyree catch is better, and I have no problem with that. Like that's a tremendous catch, just like this one is. They're they're in the same pantheon, mm-hmm. and it was truly impressive what Jefferson was able to do. Like they. There's no other way to put it, Dave. Justin Jefferson is on a different level. And Michael Wilbon, pardon the interruption today on ESPN, said, I'm ready to have the conversation um, with Justin Jefferson and Jerry Rice. Comparing those two. And I think Randy Moss is the best receiver to ever play. A lot of people think it's Jerry Rice. And it's easy to see why. He holds records across the board, receptions, yards, touchdowns. He holds Super Bowl records for all three. Like Jerry Rice is a different beast when it comes to being a, a receiver in the National Football League. And he played 21 years. This is a guy who was able to do it and do it well for a long time. He even had a 1,000-yard season at the age of 40 with the then Oakland Raiders. This guy is incredible. And to have the conversation to put Justin Jefferson in the same category as Randy Moss. Look, we're three years into his career. And it doesn't feel absurd. It feels natural because Justin Jefferson is an incredible talent. And he proved it. And you know what? It wasn't just the one catch. He set a next-gen stats record where he had nine receptions with a less than 50% probability of him catching the football. I'm sorry. Like, that's insane. Like, you're talking about a true generational player and you traded a top five receiver in the National Football League to go get him. Like, mm-hmm. it's wild how incredibly different, like, uh, like how that trade ended up. And you got a good starter in there, too, and Cam Bynum. Like, the Vikings somehow improved their situation by trading one of the best receivers in football. And you can't knock Diggs. He had a beautiful one-hander yesterday as well. And he had mm-hmm. a good game. He was out to prove that. You know, he is one of the best wide receivers in the league. And by far, he is. Mm-hmm. I just think Justin Jefferson has the ability so far to be the best in the league. Now, it's going to take a lot. Jerry Rice had something that no other wide receiver, i.e. Randy Moss, had. He had consistency at quarterback for the over the first half, two-thirds of his career. He went from Hall of Famer Joe Montana to Hall of Famer uh, – What's his name? The followed Montana. Um, Steve Young. Steve Young, right? That's got to help any receiver. Oh, yeah. But Justin Jefferson right now is putting up greater numbers. 
than anybody first to 20 hundred yard games in uh, three years. He's already surpassed Moss and who was the other one? OBJ. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, and he still has got eight games left this season. So it's, he is special. As long Mm -hmm. as he stays healthy, he will continue to grow and the Vikings are going to have to pay the man. Yeah, and at this point, you kind of have to write him a blank check because, like, it's not an insult to Thielen or Osborne. They are not producing well. Um, Thielen has a lot of tape of him getting open, but you can tell. The man's banged up. He's had ankle and knee, like, injuries over the past few weeks. You can just tell he's not the same player. Now, is that going to be a permanent thing? Based on what we know right now, I don't think so, Dave. I think this is more of a temporary thing. He needs time to rest. He needs to heal, and I think he's going to get that after that Thanksgiving game because you're going to have a 10-day layoff. The mini-buy. But, yeah, the mini-buy is going to be great for this team, and they don't have to travel for the mini-buy, which is insane to think about. They host mm-hmm. the Cowboys, and four days later they host the Patriots. Hello, that's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, you can't get any bit better than that. And they're figuring out ways to win, and they're doing it consistently. But well, let's let's talk a little bit here real quick, Dave, about – some negatives. You know, uh, let's be a little nitpicky, and then we're going to drink a lot of Kool-Aid later. Um, make sure you throw your co- uh, uh, your questions in the comments, guys. I want to make sure we get to as many of them as possible because this is an incredibly exciting time. This is what it felt like when Greg Lewis caught that ball in the back of the end zone. This is what it felt like when Randy Moss went off on Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers mm-hmm. in 1998. This This has a special feeling to it that you really can't describe unless you've experienced it. And and in my lifetime, Dave, this is the third time I've experienced it. You could argue 2000 when Dante Culpepper really broke out early on in that season. You could tell, okay, could this be like 98, like reincarnated? You have an incredibly talented quarterback. He's doing a lot of great things. You You never really got that special vibe, but the players did. Like I remember reading, uh, Later on, because I was doing some research, Robert Griffith, the star safety, said, this is better than the 98 team. And, like, talking about how they lost 41 nothing, like, no, there was something going on because nothing makes sense about that game because they were just a damn good football team. And it, there's there's a special aura right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Kirko Chains. Maybe it's just the players buying in and having fun like culture change and changing a head coach and just having a different style of voice in the room. Look, it's a real thing and it makes a difference. Nobody in their right mind thought that the Vikings would be eight and one having just beaten the Buffalo bills at home. They didn't just beat the bills. It was the first time the bills had ever blown a 14 point lead in Buffalo since the AFL November 10th, 1968 at Memorial stadium. They never did it. Here at Highmark Stadium, also known as, um, they used to be known as New Era Field, and I can't remember what it was called. It was um, named after that. somebody before that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think it was named after the former owner, not the Pelagulos, right. but um, yeah. Uh, so you're talking about a long history of not being futile, no futility. Mm-hmm. Like they, They've been able to hold leads at home, and the Vikings snapped that. And they're the yeah, only team in the NFL to score more than 20 points 
on the Bills. More than 20. Wow. Yeah, sorry, more than 21. The the uh the Dolphins scored 21 on them in week three. Wow. That's you're you're and, and the Bill the Bills literally have been favored and probably still are for you to look at the um at the the Vegas odds, and I haven't looked at them today. But the, were by the Bills far been, the biggest to win the Super Bowl. They're they're at third right now, I believe. I'll pull it up on on DraftKings here um, while we talk. But uh, like, what what's interesting is the Bills have been favored in every single game they played in this year. They, they were even favored playing at Arrowhead, which Vegas determined that they were a six point favorite on a neutral field and a nine point favorite at home. Now that was a few weeks ago. The Vikings at that point probably would have been 11 and a half, 12 point mm-hmm. underdogs. Now they started off at nine and a half and it ended up at six and a half at kickoff. Right. It went down as low as three. And then when the Josh Allen was looking like he's going to play, it went back up. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's crazy to think about like just how good this team has been. And I'm really, really impressed with what the Vikings have been able to do. And I got those odds pulled up, Dave. Okay. Buffalo Bills are plus 400 to win the Super Bowl right now. The Chiefs and Eagles are both at 500. The Cowboys and 49ers are at 1,000. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings and Ravens are at plus 1,400. So you get 14 to 1 odds if you want to bet the Vikings winning the Super Bowl. If you have access to um, be able to bet, Cody, that's my chair, you goober. Go chew the cardboard you were working on. Um, look, I'm telling you, take that bet. Like, mm-hmm. Remember, use gambling as a form of entertainment. So if you're willing to spend, let's say, 20 bucks on a night out or a couple beers with the guys or girls, Hey, 20 Spend bucks is going to the movie and buying popcorn and a soda. Oh, you're lucky to get a soda with that, with a movie <laughs> ticket and popcorn. Like, look, you. I use gambling as a form of entertainment. If I'm not willing to use the money on something else, then I'm not willing to use it on gambling. That's how I view it, and I think that's how everybody should view it. Because it is entertainment. You can win big. You can do those things, but you can't expect it. But enough about the gambling diatribe. I thought that was really interesting. Let's take a look at division winners. The Vikings right now are minus 10,000 to win the NFC North. That's not even worth touching. But what is interesting is NFC. numbers four right now. Yes. Um, And that's with the Packers. It's three with the Bears. So that that needs to be mentioned as well. The Vikings are plus 550 to win the, the NFC. They're in fourth place. The Eagles are plus 175. The Niners are plus 400. And the Cowboys are plus 450. The Sharps aren't, and the odds makers aren't necessarily quite with us yet. And one of the frustrating things when you hear some of the national talk this morning about this team, oh, the Vikings won fluky. Well, yeah, you, you can call it that. But take out the fumble recovery and make it a Kirk Cousins sneak touchdown. How's that fluky? It's not. Mm-hmm. It is not fluky at all. This is a team that came back from 17 points down against the number one scoring defense in the Buffalo Not only Bills. the number one scoring defense, they came. They did that against the Zebras as well. 
Yeah, the zebras were not good. Um, I didn't have an issue, Dave, and I want your opinion because I did not get a chance with all my work to listen to the, the final score because you guys did an hour and a half, and mm-hmm. everybody I talked to said it was phenomenal stuff. God, it was. I great. caught about the first. I caught about the first ten minutes, and you guys were crushing it. But I game days are tough for me because I have a lot of writing I have to do. But I want your opinion on the zebras because they they called the one pass interference on Andrew Booth at the end of the game. They called one on TJ Hawkinson. They didn't really call it the rest of the game. And I had like one or two nitpicky things, but I was overall fine with how they called pass interference because they were cons- they tried to be very consistent. Unless it was egregious, they weren't touching it, and they wanted to let these guys play, and they did. I didn't have a big issue with it, but I know a lot of people did. Where do you sit? Well, pass interference wasn't my big bugaboo. However, Leslie Frazier has the – Buffalo defense playing smart where the defenders grab the jersey or T-shirt and pull down as the wide receiver is going up. Uh, that is the old NASCAR saying, "You if you aren't cheating, you aren't racing. Um, technically, yep. it should be illegal, but they're getting away with it. It's just like Green Bay hug holding by the offensive lineman. They get away with that. Now, the big heartburn I had with the officiating was, one, the the catch in overtime that they ruled was a catch when it obviously wasn't, and they didn't review it, right? And they're the only ones that can review that or in the last two minutes. Uh, the second one was the 12 men on field where we threw to Dalvin Cook and he dropped it. Mm-hmm. That both of those are inexcusable. They they are there purposely when when you're inside where – the only time when you're inside the two minutes or in the fourth quarter and the only people that can review it are is New York, right, or the referees on the field, they've got to be able to do that on important plays and not just let it go, right? It looks like somebody was slipped a, a Benjamin, you know, under the door type thing. And then the counting of the 12 people, they are supposed to do that every single play. Count the hats, Right. And they're supposed to go, one, two, three, four, five. There's somebody designated to count. And it didn't happen. And those two plays are inexcusable. If Dalvin catches that ball, Vikings win, right? If the the non-catch was ruled a non-catch, well, that changes how Buffalo approaches it. They have to kick a longer field goal to tie. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the last two minutes. Um and can they do that? That's questionable. It's stuff like that that gets irked. And there was a ton, a ton of holding that uh, Buffalo was getting away with. And it was just, it, it was a little frustrating, but it's, they had a bad game. Now, whether it was on purpose, that I don't know. But the Zebras had a bad game. Now, there were some bad calls that Vikings should have been called on as well. A lot of this stuff evens itself out, but yesterday I think mm-hmm. it was more against the Vikings than it was even, and yeah. it's frustrating. But we have to live you with know, it. It's what, it's what we yeah. play with. It's like you know the backfield judge taking out Cam Bynum on that sure, sure interception last week. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about because there were two instances that were really egregious. One of them – was at the end of the game, at the end of the fourth quarter, actually. And 
The Bills had 12 men lined up. It wasn't caught, and then it wasn't caught on replay. That was, I believe, the Dalvin Cook drop. Mm -hmm. It might have been the play before. Um, So you have 12 men on the field. They're not even trying to get off. They're just playing with 12 men. It was completely missed. And then they, they didn't even replay it either. And it's not like the Vikings were rushing at this point because they had time. They were trying to drain the clock for the score, so then Buffalo doesn't have nearly as much. And the Bills are the ones using timeouts, so they missed that. Then on the ensuing drive, the Gabe Davis catch. Now, if you want to argue the semantics of of if it's a catch or not, that's fine. I didn't think it was a catch because you could blatantly see it move, and move in two directions. moved up and it twisted. That tells me you don't have control over the football. You don't have control of the football and it hits the ground. It's not a catch. But the fact is, they missed it on the field, which that was very close. But they I'm didn't even review that. that play, and it should I'm have been there. an I'm automatic review. I'm getting there. They didn't even they, – they called it a catch fine. Like, in real time, bang, bang, okay. That's okay. But you should see, hey, that's close. Maybe we should review it. You had it missed on the field. Because Wald Anderson can make that call the referee. You missed it with the, the person in the booth who instigates reviews. And New York, who watches all these games and can instigate reviews from there. They all missed it. And kudos to Buffalo. They knew what was going on. They knew it was close. So you know what they did? They sprinted to the line and they got a snap off. That is playing with situational awareness and good on Buffalo for doing so. I'm not mad at the Bills. They played it very well. Mm -hmm. But the officiating in those two instances were so poor in how they were handled. That it's just incredibly disappointing. And you know what? If the Vikings end up losing those game, that game because of those, I'm going to sit here and complain about it because it was – they admitted fault Vikings to fan. it. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I am not one to sit here and talk about, hey, you need to – Excuse me. Odie's yeah, obviously oh. doing something right now. That's why yeah. Tyler's reaching down. There we go. All right. Um, I wanted to make sure you didn't chew my Xbox cord. Um, like it, it's one thing to complain about uh, the refs in general, but they blatantly admitted after the game that they messed up, and then like that could have really changed the outcome of this game. And it's so frustrating. But it's in the past. The Vikings ended up winning, overcoming obstacles again that they never would have done under Mike Zimmer. Like, and and that's I think the big thing. Kevin O'Connell has this team believing, and they're and mentally they're in a different headspace than they were in the previous years. They believe in each other. They believe in themselves. They believe in the coaching staff. And there is a level of camaraderie and love for each other that we have not seen in quite some time. And Dave, it's impressive. We talked about how this team is, you know, 80-some-odd percent the same as last year's or better. This year, though, if they would have been down 17 points in the fourth quarter, Last year, they would have rolled over. This year, however, they're in the headspace that this game isn't over. We can win this. Watch. Kurt changes to Kurt go chains, and he comes out firing. You know, mm-hmm. throwing to Justin Jefferson, throwing to K.J. Osborne, throwing to Hawkinson. Hawkinson had a great play where he leapt and hurtled some people. Just absolutely handing it off to Dalvin. And Dalvin, who all day up to that point was just two-point-something yards per carry, right? And it was like, ah, running game doesn't seem to be working. And then, bang, 81 yards. 
And it was just, but it was that they never quit. They've got an attitude this year of it doesn't matter what we're doing, how far down we are, we can win this game. And building that up, building that knowledge, building the ability that, hey, we've faced this before, we can win. We've done it now eight times, seven in a Mm -hmm. row, we can win. That's going to carry them into the playoffs. That's what, that is the last switch that should change this from, hey, we made it into the playoffs, you know, we're one and done up, right? Let's get our tea times for spring or down in the south. No, that changes it to, oh, we can play with anybody. We can beat anybody, right? And if you get that ingrained as a whole into the whole player um, mentality, the team's mentality, this team is going to be extremely dangerous. Do I think they can win out? That's odds-wise probably unlikely, but that's unlikely for every team, whether it be the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. whether it be the Bills, whether it be the Eagles, whether it be us. But do they have the possibility? This game coming up against Dallas this weekend, we're the underdogs per Vegas by two and a half, which I think is – It's up to two. I think it's rude. But anyways, it's the only game we have left that we're the underdogs as of right now. It should be – can they go and win? Yes. We're in our toughest four-game win or stretch of the season. We we won won our toughest game. We won the toughest game Sunday, right? And they made a statement to it. Bad weather, cold, wet, rainy, snowy, against an MVP-quality quarterback, against a future Hall of Fame wide receiver that we know too well, against top three defense in the league, and we won. We beat them uh, at their place. You know, in all these wild conditions that Minnesota hadn't done well in in a long, long time. Yes, people are saying, yeah, but uh, the, all these one score games, uh, throw them out the window. I don't care. It's the W's, baby. And mm-hmm. eight and one is a wonderful thing. Yeah. And I think the one thing that's interesting about these one score day, uh, games, Dave, is, be- is when you go- get to it, and when you get to these instances at the end of the season where mm-hmm. you have a close game, like that, look back, Dave, at the 1980 uh, Miracle on Ice. That Russian team didn't know how to how to play in a close game because they blew everybody out. They they destroyed the entire world. Well, when you're put into a situation you're not familiar, that's when mistakes happen. That's when right. you have inexperience come to the forefront. This team is not going to be inexperienced in close games. They're not going to be inexperienced when they're down. They're going to know what to do, and they're going to know how to take control and take advantage of other teams because they've been here before. They've been here multiple times. Six times, in fact, they came from behind in the fourth quarter. And it was close games against um, the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Then they were able to put both of those teams away in the fourth. Like We're not talking about a team that is just blowing people out and doesn't know how to play close. They know, and -hmm. they're good at it. And they know how to figure it out, and they know how to do it in multiple ways on offense, on defense, and special teams. This team is ready to make a run. It's primed to make a run. It has a schedule to make a run. Mm-hmm. And somebody uh, in one of the Discord chats that I'm in, Arch, brought this up. 
I find it very interesting, Dave. The Vikings don't play outdoors for the rest of 2022. Really? I didn't realize that. Yep. They do not play outdoors for the rest of 2022. We play Green Bay and Chicago yet at their place. Yeah, those are in 2023. I'm Ah. talking chronologically. Okay. Like, they don't play an outdoor game until New Year's Day 2023. Wow. Yeah, that's almost two full months. Mm -hmm. Like, this team is prime. And by that point? Vikings may literally have nothing to play for. Well, they may be they may be locked in as a seed. They may have the division already done. They, they I still the want the number one seed. Um, I do too, but I'm just I'm just trying to look at it and being realistic because right now we have a two game deficit on that number one seed because we lost to the Eagles, mm-hmm. and that that's it'll be an issue. And the Eagles know how to play us, but we uh, Luke Braun said it best, and he tweeted it earlier today. Mm-hmm. Um, the the week ten Vikings beat the week two Vikings by at least fourteen points. It, we're talking about different football teams at this point, Dave. It's truly remarkable. Odie, you settle the hell down, okay? He's <laughs> being rambunctious and thinks my feet are dinner. You get you don't get your dinner for another half hour, hour, buddy. He's hungry. Um, yeah, it's oh yeah. Well, he well he eats at a different schedule than he used to, and. He just gets real annoying when we're not in the in, on the main level. But he's a love bug, so it's okay. Um, yeah, it, this team has a chance to really make a run, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. I'm ready to drink the Kool Aid because I, I sat in this very space, Dave, and said there are too many questions about this team, and I don't have answers for them, and I don't think that they can continue the positives and fix all the negatives. The hundredth percentile outcome is coming true, Dave. They've done that. Like well, Kevin I don't know O'Connell if they right now. You know, I, I'm not going to say they fixed everything, right? No, 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 no. But, but they've made improvements so much across the board. They keep that we improving can honestly game see. after game. Yeah. And you know what? Name an area where they've gotten worse compared to last year. Well, I was going to say kicking, but Joseph's Joseph. Joseph's um, been about the same. He's missed four like, extra maybe, points. That's what he missed last year. He's maybe consistent in the running game. But they've been ex- they've had drives where they're explosive. Dalvin Cook has two fifty-plus yard touchdown runs already this year. Something he hadn't done prior to this year. Mm-hmm. This team is ready. This team is impressive. They're making a run. They're doing the right things. And like, listen, I have shit on Kirk Cousins time in and time out for being bad, for making mistakes, for being a jabroni. Listen, I mean, I'm. Serve me my crow. I'm ready. Listen, what? I don't know what happened to Kirk Cousins. If if he discovered what beautiful edibles are, if Kevin O'Connell <laughs> really put a key into his robot chest, twisted it, and unlocked a different form, I don't know what happened. I'll say this. Whatever happened has been an incredible turnaround, something we have never seen in the National Football League. He is playing different. He is playing more aggressive. He is be- – he is still being careful with the football, even though he has multiple turnovers. One of those yesterday, I wrote about it for the Vikings Wire, was not his fault. That first interception was when not. KJ on was Kurt knocked Cousins. off. Yeah, KJ was knocked off his axis, and that was just enough to make sure he was short of the football. Now, was the throw perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But if KJ's in the right position where he should have been, he would have caught it. Doesn't it. matter. 
KJ just goes like this, catches it, gets another 10 yards. Mm-hmm. And the second one, I, I think he just thought Dane Jackson was Justin Jefferson. That's the only thing I can think of. It's so out of character for him. Look, he makes bad throws. He makes poor decisions and throws interceptions. But the Philly game is a perfect example of it. That throw tells me that there was something off, and he didn't. He thought he was seeing something completely different. That was not necessarily what I would consider a stupid throw. It was misguided. He, his, he tricked himself into what he was seeing, and it is what it is. Quarterbacks have that. Josh Allen had it yesterday when he threw that last interception. Like quarterbacks do that, and it's fine. It's objectively fine. You deal with it and you move on. But how Kirk has handled that game, how he has been so good, I am putting together a com- compilation of his best roles from Sunday. I already have like seven, and I'm in the third quarter. And we're not even talking the Justin Jefferson catches. We're not talking the one where he literally couldn't step into the throw. So he torqued his hips mm-hmm. like, like he was some kind of heavy-duty transmission and just boom ended up throwing a, an absolute rifle to the sidelines to Jefferson on a comeback. This guy is on, playing on a different level right now. And I'll tell you, if he can do this a couple more times, I am going to start Kirk Cousins for MVP. Because we need to have that conversation. What he is doing for this team, how he is leading this group of men, and the little things, the Kirko chains, the self-awareness, the having fun, his teammates love him, and how he is consistently producing at the end of games. Kirk Cousins is going to enter the MVP conversation if this keeps up, and I am going to be leading the train. Because what we're seeing here is unlike anything we've ever seen before, Dave. I, I can't think of an example in NFL history where we've seen a guy flip a switch in his 30s and all of a sudden change. And we're seeing that with Kirk right now. It's it's remarkable and fun to watch, and I'm enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am too. It's, I'm bought in. Uh, Davey, I'm drinking Tullamore Dew. It's an Irish whiskey. However, it needs... I add a little bit of water to it because it's got a little bit of a metallic taste. And I've found that for me, if you add a few drops of water, it takes that out, it makes it a little bit sweeter, and it's a very good Irish whiskey. You don't need that with Fighting 69. That's why I love the Fighting 69. However, I'm drinking some of my stocks tonight, so that is why. Yeah. Odie, my feet are not weapons, you goober. Oh, the Odie. Are we going to get to see the Odie? Oh, yeah. Once once I get him, Odie, treat, treat. Yeah. Once I can get him over so I can lift him Mm -hmm. up, I will show him. Come here, bud. Good boy. Come here. All right. Puppy. There he is. Here's my buddy. Odie, say hi. The Odie, look at the good boy. He's yeah. the good boy. He's a very good boy. He's only pooped in the house once today. Still having issues with him pooping in the house. A lot less issues with him peeing. And I'm going to take that as a win. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's genuinely trying. But it's he loves snow. It was, it was the fir- first re- time he saw real, like, in the flesh snow. <laughs> he was having fun. I mean, we talked about that earlier. 
But let's let's kind of move forward. Um, listen, we're going to talk about this Bills game for a long time. This is oh, this is what we're going to be watching twenty years from now, right? You're going to see that Jeff, Justin Jefferson catch about ten thousand times over the next fifty years. Mm-hmm. It's, You're it's, just gonna. It's that good. I want to get your opinion on this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys, Dave. This team is eight and one. Mm-hmm. They just beat the Buffalo Bills. And I'm still hearing people completely just blow this team off and not not give them their due. And we're talking national pundits. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name them because I do not want them necessarily slandered. If, if you find it and hear it, you'll know who I'm talking about. Okay, We're talking about people who are just not giving the Vikings anything. Mm-hmm. They are. Oh, it was a fluke. They like one analyst said, "Hey, I want to see them blow out a good team." You you just beat the Bills by three in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, that's not good enough. Blow them out." Who's gonna blow out the Bills? <laughs> yeah, the city couldn't even blow out the Bills. Are you kidding? Like this is the kind of stuff. Like I understand we're not a big market team, and not everybody watches our games and. Kirk Cousins, like there's so many narratives around him. People are never going to change their way of thinking. I try to be different. Mm-hmm. I try to genuinely evolve my opinion based on the information in front of me. Look at what I just did on that diatribe where I just ate crow. Kirk Cousins is different now. He figured out how to be different. He bucked the trend and figured it out. Good for him. Mm-hmm. He deserves the credit for what he's been able to do. And he's going to get it from me. But there are so many national people who just like who knows who that Christian Darrisaw is the number one rated tackle by PFF. Nobody. Like there's mm-hmm. literally nobody talking about how good Christian Darrisaw is. Right. It's like Hunter and Smith are the best edge duo in football. Nobody's giving them their due. There's nobody nobody having a real conversation outside of of people like myself talking about how good this team is playing and how good they can be and potentially make a real run. It It's infuriating that people are just, oh, it's the same old Vikings. No, it's not. You're not paying attention. Wake up. Mm-hmm. This is a wake-up call for everybody, Dave. It's It drives me nuts that people are not giving this team their due. And you know what? Hey, oh, oh, yeah, but let it be that way. Let them think they're the underdogs. No, I, I, I want I want the team to look and go. Look, everybody thinks we're the underdogs with Dallas coming in, right? Dallas just got beat yeah. by Green Bay. We slaughtered Green Bay in Week One, right? Mm-hmm. All right, you want to be that way? Let's go out and prove it. Let's go out there and beat the pants off of Dallas. Not that I want to see that, but I want them to win and win soundly. Can they do that? You betcha. It's uh, it's going to be. One of those deals, until the Vikings finally get there, they're going to be doubted. They have 62 years of being doubted, right? It's that it's just the way it is. So they're going to have to learn to live with it and turn it into motivation, and I think they have. So let them go under the radar. Hey, say, they're not that good at 8-1. They didn't blow out the bills. They got lucky. Oh, well, screw them. Go out there and beat the next team. 
and then the next team, 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 and let's let them talk when we're in the playoffs, and we're playing to go to the Super Bowl. They can, I, I, national press can go themselves, right? Most of them are New York or LA, right? Big media markets. New York, you've got the Giants and even the Jets to a minor extent, right? They disrespect the true New York team, the Buffalo Bills. You have the Patriots up in Boston. That's always a big deal, especially coming off of their dynasty. Uh, Washington used to be, not so much. Miami's being bigger this year, right? They're Oh, Miami's going to win the AFC East. <clears throat> Who beat Miami? Vikings. Um, and it's, let it be that way. Out on the West Coast, you got, well, the Rams are having a Super Bowl hangover. Well, they may not make it. But San Francisco 49ers, look at them. Right? Well, to heck mm-hmm. with them. Do that. Dallas is always huge. America's team. God, I hated that. Um, well, they're going to have a big market. They're going to believe. Um, so let them believe and let them come in to U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday and lose. Because you think the Vikings are going to step down when the national press and everybody's like, oh, the Vikings aren't really this good. Vegas is like, oh, we're not even favoring you in your own house. Oh, come on now. That can't be. The Vikings team, with the mentality they're playing right now, are going to take that and use that as motivation. And I want them to. Let it be that way. Let the rest of the nation, you know, go on the Vikings. Sure, go ahead. Do it at your own peril. Yeah. Look, I I get that too, but I'm just – my biggest thing is they're not even fully educated on what this team is doing. They're obviously not watching every week, which you should – if you're going to be talking on a national level, you should at least have a good understanding of what each team is doing. That's my problem. Look, if if you like – look, I think this team is very good. I don't have the confidence in them to make the full run. Okay, that's a well-reasoned take. Right. There was a, there was one uh, pundit who said that Brian O'Neill was the second best player on this team. Dave, I don't even know if he's top five anymore, and that's not even a slight to Brian O'Neill. Christian Derrissaw is the arguably the second best player on this football team. Cousins is playing out of his mind. You've got Zadarius Smith, Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, both playing tremendous football. Like, what are we doing here? And th- that's my big issue. Understand. And take a few minutes to know that this is not the same team. But they're not going to get the recognition until they actually win, go deep in the playoffs and win something. It's it's just the way it is. We don't have the personalities on the team that demand it. We don't have a Randy Moss, um, which is fine. We have Justin Jefferson, and people are looking at Justin and going, wow, Justin Jefferson's good. Oh, yeah, he's good, all right. He may be turn out to be the best ever when it's all said and done. It's just, let them be that way. I, it is what it is. We're flyover country to the most of the nation. So, as that, and that's what they think of the football team. Let them. Mm-hmm. Our team, the group of guys have each other's back. 
They know they can win. They've been through adversity in many different ways, styles, uh, you know, different opportunities, different, you know, everything's been different each game to game, and they found ways to win. And each time they do that, they build mm-hmm. confidence. So they have confidence in themselves, and that's all they need. There's been times where if you look back at world history, when some great army, there's no way they're going to get beat, and they get beat because some young upstart has, you know, believes in themselves and comes across with better tactics or better whatever or, you know, surprise and stuff like that. It happens. It happens throughout history. This is our year where the Vikings, and buddy, I'm all aboard, where the Vikings have figured that out and whether it be the gods are now behind them, it's a good thing. We talk about, you know, a joke around how Odin, used to be there in a stadium in the old Met and Odin obviously being a Viking God used to watch out and, you know, and put his oomph behind him. And if you're into any sort of that uh, history on how those gods worked, they used to do that behind human endeavors that they liked. And if you want to count that mm-hmm. as it is, Hey, great. All for it. Let them do that. But it's the people it's, it's the Kirk Cousins, Kirk O'Chains. It is the Justin Jefferson. Every ball he throws up, I'm catching. It's Christian Derrissaw going, you ain't getting in a quarterback through me. Are you kidding? It's mm-hmm. Ezra Cleveland turning around and go, I ain't got nobody blocked, so I'm going to go knock that guy's head off, right? It's stuff like that that's going to take this team far. And, and we haven't seen it in a long time, literally since 2017. 2017 was, oh, my God, look at the horseshoe around Case Keenum's neck, right? And we had Adam Thielen and uh, Diggsy were getting wide open, and a lot of times they were being missed, and and we complained about that. Just look at it, straight down the field. And, but it didn't matter. Case Keenum was hitting everything, and we were winning everything, right? This team is different in the fact that one, the defense in 2017 was literally the best. Um, but this team, the defense is building up and getting better and better and better. And it wasn't expected to be the best. It wasn't even expected to be mediocre. But it's getting better and better and better. And they're above that now. And then the offense, where the strength is, right? There was, oh, yeah, but it's still got Kirk Cousins. We know Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is, you know. He's the CEO type. He goes out there and he doesn't care. He'll take the two down, two yard check down to CJ Ham every day of the week. And then when we're behind by three touchdowns, he'll go out there and throw a god awful amount of stats. That's mm-hmm. changed this year. That's not who they are. They believe in each other. And that belief, along with the coaching that they're getting right now, is what's making the difference. And it's not going to stop. They're still going to say, hey, we're going to look at my boy Ed Ingram and go, Ed, why'd you step on Kirk's foot twice? Here, we need to fix this, right? And have our offensive line coach go, we need to fix this. And if it's either widen the offensive lineman out a little bit more or change how uh, Ed takes that step back, or speed up even Kirk coming from out under center. It doesn't matter. They're going to fix it. I'll bet you don't see that next week. I'll bet 
you see those little itty bit incremental improvements. We have all season. You cannot discount that. Guys on the coast, national media, discount that all day. Go right ahead. I don't care. I'd rather listen to local guys like us um, on Climbing a Pocket or Ted and Drew on Vikings Report or Ryan over on Vikings Uncensored. Score North. Love those guys, right? The local guys that care and put out product that are there watching every day, taking in every single press conference, that are watching every single play, breaking it all down, you breaking down tape, right? We've got guys on CTP that do that absolutely fabulous. If you watched Mm -hmm. um, Good Friend of the show does – Kindred Skulls, Nick Olson today, he was having fun throwing up clips on Twitter. It was just amazing. And that's going to continue. I don't see any reason for it not to. Yeah, if we have a major injury to somebody major, yeah, that's possible. But it's still in their mind, we can still win. We just had that perfect, you know, defensive play. By who? We didn't even know who he was on the team. Duke Shelley, baby. You can't. Sometimes this is a special season. We asked, are the Vikings special? Yes. And is this a special season? Absolutely. Yes, I forgot. You are 100% forgot. 100% correct. TY catch 84. I forgot one bar in Lepagus. My boys, I love them to death. And, uh, but that, that's, that's the perfect example, TYA. You have folks that love this team, that watch this team, that eat up this team. One bar was on today talking about how we signed, uh, O'Shaughnessy or whatever it was to the practice squad today. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see that coming from the mainstream press. You see that coming from us. And if folks say, uh, you guys aren't journalists, well, screw them, right? I don't need to be hey, a journalist. I'm well educated enough. Yeah. Here's the thing with journalists. They're great. And what they do is fantastic. What they do is not what we do. And a credential does not automatically make you smarter than other people. Exactly. Like it, they, they are fantastic in their lane and what they do, but they don't do what we do. And it, understanding the difference and knowing that, hey, if I consume them and then you come here and consume us, you're going to get a much bigger picture than if you just focus your lane on one specific area. It's right. just it's just facts. Like every, everybody in this ecosystem deserves to be listened to for to, to get a, a perspective. We're going to give you a film and we're going to give you an analytical. We're going to give you a very broad perspective. Other people are not going to be able to go that way because they have their own way. Like you, you listen to like Access Vikings, those guys, they're journalists. They're going to give you beat writer perspective. And that's tremendously valuable. Mm-hmm. Matthew Collar is going to have guests on that give their perspective on a wide range of topics. That itself is incredibly valuable. Like mm-hmm. Odie's trying to eat, lick at my Xbox because he's a little goober. <laughs> uh, like, you can learn. Like, Puppies are like little children. You've got to childproof everything. 
while he's he's been very good in my room in my office for an hour. And let's wrap this up here quickly. Go to multiple different types of sources for your information because then you are going to get a a very broad spectrum and you're going to get a much bigger picture. I'm going to answer this question for Michael. We're going to touch on the Cowboys really quick. Then we're going to get out of here. How can you explain the Ben, but don't break defense? Honestly, DNC coming together like this. This defense is incredibly frustrating, but it's also very good. Like it's, it feels like Ed Donatel doesn't always come in with great game plans, but the second halftime hits, he has everything figured out and he's able to put the clamps down. Just and look at what probably they did. Look, I haven't looked up the numbers, but if you probably look at the second half numbers, they're outstanding. We held the Bills to only six points in the second half. Mm-hmm. Right? And we're talking going into the game, the Vikings were minus thirty-three point differential in the third and plus thirty-five in the fourth. Yeah. It's like th- yeah, they're very good on defense in the fourth quarter, and they're figuring it out and it, it has to do with Ed Donatel's experience in the NFL because he's been in the NFL for over 20 years and taking care of the little things and adjusting and getting people in the right places. Now, the Cowboys this week, they're coming off a loss to the Packers. They are favorites. And look, look, we can talk about how the Vikings are being disrespected, and that's a fair argument. But this Cowboys team is a very good. They're good on offense. They're probably going to have Ezekiel Elliott back next week. They can run the ball. They can throw it. They use a lot of different weapons. They don't necessarily focus in on one guy. They have two great edge rushers. They have Trevon Diggs, who's going to follow Justin Jefferson. This team is good. They can beat anybody. They almost beat the Eagles with Cooper Rush. You cannot sleep on the Cowboys. It is going to be a fun football game. And Dave, we're going to have a lot more this week Mm -hmm. about this game. And you're going to be able to read a lot more from me on the Vikings wire about this game and kind of previewing it and talking about it. But let's talk about the schedule this week because if if I remember correctly, we have a full lineup and we have a little yes, extra coming to do. you on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night at 8.30 p.m., thanks to the traffic in L.A., we have Vikings hot takes. I already have the questions from the great and wonderful Flip Mozzie of Climbing the Pocket and Eric Thompson. King of Dad Jokes from the Daily Norseman. They're all lined up, ready to go. Wednesday, we have Vikings Happy Hour. And Ryan on the final score, because he joined us late. Matt was with us early, live from the stadium. But Ryan, at the end of the game, said Wednesday will be epic. Don't know exactly what that means, but I'm looking forward to it. And then Thursday... We have a very good friend of mine who happens to be as diehard of a Dallas fan as we are of Vikings fans. We may sit all day and listen to Vikings podcasts. He does the same with Dallas. He's going to be joining us for the second year in a row. His name is Billy Kramer, lives out on the West Coast. And we're going to have a Thirsty Thursday uh, show at 8 o'clock on Thursday to break down, in particular, his Cowboys. And Niner Sickness has joined us in the remarks. Niner Sickness, congrats on your win over the Bolts yesterday. Then on Saturday, of course, you get myself and Darren Campbell, the two old bloggers, and we're going to break down that game with your uh, 
regular three themes and look at the game and where we're going. Of course, we start it all over again afterwards with the final score live in the last two minutes. Yes, absolutely. And I am hopefully going to be joining you on Thursday, Dave, to talk all about this Vikings and Giants game. Um, I will get you confirmation here um, later this week once I get a chance to talk to the wife. She started a new job and she is um, getting comfortable. So I don't want to put any extra stress on her plate that I don't have to. Look, guys, go to your local grocery store. Go buy a big thing of Kool-Aid. Mix it in a five-gallon container and start chugging. It is time to get excited. Oh, yeah. You got to do the Kool-Aid Man thing from Dave. From our great sponsors, Lake Monster Brewing and Badass Wood Art, I'm Tyler Fornis. Go enjoy a Purple Monday. Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.